0: authors. I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge your career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with business tycoon Valerie Koo, writer, artist and CEO of the Australian Writer Centre and host of the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast. Valerie shares with us her lessons learned from years of experience running various creative businesses and provides tips for individuals looking to launch their business in the creative industries. This one is not to be missed. So in my author adventure this past week, if you've been listening to the podcast for the last few episodes, you would have heard all the things I was adding to my plate and wondering, I don't know how she does it. Well, the answer is she doesn't. (laughs) Between day job, personal life commitments, getting web matter over to the web designer, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is, Uh, this podcast, the Loner sold episode I put out, uh, put together and put out last week, as well as starting the horror feature script, which I confirm is going ahead. I made a decision to let go of the Author Fears in October webinar, and uh, it was just, it was all too much. Um, And so another year will tick by where I don't achieve that goal, but, what I'm going to do is mark it up in the events part of my new website for next October. So it's there and in my it will be there in my mindset and I'll start preparing for it. So I hope you'll attend next year. I just wanted to say that, you know, in light of that, it's okay to, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, let go and release whatever it is that you, you know, is making you feel that way. Because if you're like me at the end of the year it's the busiest in all aspects of my life and it just speeds up as we rush to get things done before Christmas and you know there is Christmas stuff and then uh, there's loads of birthdays for me at the end of the year and it's just madness and ideally I need to shut off by the end of October. And by shut off, I mean no new writing projects, no new events, Yeah, I still podcast, I still, yeah, I don't know whether I would still do some writing, but I still manage my business, which is what I need to do. I've got a whole bunch of admin to get my working space up to date and in order. So the systems I'm going to put in place all work like a well-oiled machine uh, going into next year. And that will set me up ahead of my working schedule rather than chasing it far running far behind it which is really what I've been doing up to this point so there will be more on this to come on how I've you know decoded chaotic so if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career sponsorship of the podcast this week is a little different You can now pay it forward by supporting any GoFundMe page for any individual who really needs your support. Now, I'm not talking about a startup company or a product. I'm talking about people who are battling illness or have major health issues, and they're trying to raise money to help get the treatment they need but they can't afford. So back in episode 36, I asked everyone to donate to my friend Dennis's GoFundMe page and that was to help raise money for him and his young family to go over to Germany to try other treatments, to buy him a little more time with his family to make it to Christmas and his 40th next year. They raised a lot of money, and Dennis and his family did go over to Germany, and he did receive treatment, which did shrink his cancer markers, but the price they were paying for this treatment was it was astronomical, and due to this, they came home. And uh, there was a plan in place that they were going to continue this new treatment here. Still, the money was mad, extremely mad. Um, unfortunately, Dennis got worse very quick and it is with the deepest sadness and the heaviest of hearts to share that he passed away two days ago. He fought to the bitter end and was in quite a lot of pain. So for the most part, we can take comfort in knowing he is at peace now, but so many aren't that he leaves behind and it's a very sad time. Anyway, this episode is dedicated to him, Dennis Young, his beautiful wife and one of my closest friends, Stacy, and his legacy, his two young boys, Lucas and Jackson. You're all in our thoughts and in our hearts. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to those who did help support them through the podcast. Valerie Koo is a writer, artist, and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre. Founded in 2005, it is now the country's leading centre for writing courses, which has helped more than 80,000 students. Valerie hosts the podcast So You Want to Be a Writer and is co-author of the book of the same name. She was the winner of the Telstra Business Awards and started her career in finance with PwC before transitioning to publishing and journalism, where she was deputy editor of Clio magazine and a writer for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age for 15 years. Valerie is also a visual artist who paints large-scale floral artworks and licenses her designs all over the world on products such as stationery, wallpaper, fabric, upholstery, art prints, and much more. She was the City of Sydney's curator of the Sydney Lunar Festival, the third largest annual event in Sydney, which attracts over 1.3 million people each year. My goodness, Valerie, that's a massive, amazing list of achievements there. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast.
1: Great to be here. Thank you so much, Joanne.
0: Oh, thank you. Thanks for coming on. So as we've just heard, you've had a vast career in the publishing and creative sphere in many, many roles. But today we're talking about building the business of your dreams. So can you tell us, obviously, you know, working in the industry for other companies, when was the moment you decided to go into business for the first time for yourself? And, you know, how how did you start setting that into motion? That's
1: a very good question. I guess I, I, we would need to define when I went into business for the first time, and I suppose that would be when you become a freelancer, because when you become a freelance writer, you're effectively running your own business. Some people don't see it as a business, but I think I've always, from day one, uh, seen it as as a business. And so I decided to freelance after I left Clio Magazine because. By that stage, I had been in glossy magazines for a while. So I was very familiar with fashion and beauty and relationships, all of those sorts of issues and celebrities and stuff like that. But I wanted to write about different things. I've always been interested in business. I've always been interested in just people's stories. And they were stories that I couldn't write while I was working in-house at a publication because that's that just wasn't their mandate. So I decided I wanted to freelance. That's when it all started, I suppose. And I made sure from day one that Uh, I got out of bed. I got to my desk by approximately nine o'clock. I got out of my pajamas. That was great advice that people told me um, to get out of your pajamas and treat it like a proper job. So I guess it was back then. Yeah.
0: I've heard one of the perks of freelancing is so you can work in your pajamas. That's not the case.
1: (laughs) Well, you can if you want to, but I guess because I did treat it as a business. <laughs> I, I took that advice and, and it was really good. It's good psychologically.
0: Yeah, that's great. So obviously, you you know, you had so much experience in glossy magazines. So you had that writing experience and, and you decided to go into business for yourself um, because you wanted to effectively write what you wanted to write. Do you have any formal business education? You know, do you feel that you need to have that as well as the experience in the field that you want to have a business in to effectively run a business or no? Absolutely not. I mean, the key word there is formal. You don't need
1: formal business experience at all. In fact, most people who start businesses don't have formal business experience. You learn, you, you absolutely do need to learn things without a doubt and have a willingness to learn things. But no, no, you don't need to go do an MBA. You don't necessarily need to go do a particular course or whatever, but you do need a willingness to understand all of the things that are going to impact you as a business in addition to having your creative skills. So I think that that's, yeah, really important that you can't kind of just leave it and think, oh yeah, I just want to paint or I just want to write. I just want to, you know, focus on the stuff that makes, you know, I'm really excited about and expect that you, I mean, you can do that if you want to, of course, we all have choices. <laughs> um, but if you do that and you, you'll only go so far, if you choose then to learn some fundamental business skills, life becomes a bit easier. you have more opportunity to make more money and and build your wealth as well.
0: Yeah, I, I asked because yeah, fresh out of uni, I went into freelance writing as well, uh, business as well, because writing was a degree. But I haven't had any formal business training, and I always feel like I'm missing something there. But just because of that, I don't know. But obviously, obviously, just identifying the aspects of business, which uh, would they be, you know, accounting and uh, marketing and yeah, uh, they're, they're of pretty
1: they're pretty straightforward. I think that even if you don't have any formal business training, read some books. There's Some fantastic business books out there, you know, ones that are classics, ones that help you just get into the mindset of a business owner. And so, I guess it's the area in which you feel that you have the most questions, and that's different for different people. So, yeah, I could, I could, you know, um, reel off some topics like accounting or marketing or sales or whatever. But it real, everyone's different, right? Some people have more questions in other areas than others, and it's the area that you feel a little bit insecure about, the area that you feel where you're a little bit lacking, just for find a book a really well written interesting yeah. book and it doesn't seem like training it doesn't seem like you're learning this whole new skill you're just absorbing information by yeah. reading a great book
0: yeah. or a podcast or a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have a good business podcast mm-hmm. out there so as well as um I wanted to just touch on what you said there about mindset that is mm-hmm. a big one isn't it I, I as I said when I left uni and went into this freelance they don't teach you how to have like a a business mindset leaving university or anything or you know and that's quite a big thing isn't it to realize you are in business for yourself and believing in what you're doing I suppose to do it effectively. Yeah Yeah. absolutely
1: I think that also in the creative industries where whether you did it at uni or whether you're just self-taught and you are in a community of creatives it's very easy to sometimes fall into a group of people or even teachers who really uh, put forward. A real poverty mindset, and they give the impression that it is inevitable if you are creative. And I've never believed that ever. I've always thought that if you have the right mindset and you want to make money from it, you can. Obviously, the path is different <laughs> for different people, but I've never, ever found it attractive to starve in a garret. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, despite watching Love OM. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I've, uh, I've never wanted that. At all, and so I've always wanted to ensure that even if I'm pursuing 100 my my creative passions, that I am doing it in such a way that
0: I'm earning a decent living from it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, we want to do our passions, but and we want to do them all day, every day, and but we need money to survive. So we need to we need to earn an income. So that's another word, survive, right? That's <laughs> yeah. that's not the right mindset. It's to thrive thrive yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's fantastic so as well as obviously believing believing in yourself and your business are there other traits personality traits that you think individuals need in business that will see them go far what what do you believe that's that's helped you succeed
1: oh without a doubt I think that
0: um, an important trait
1: is a willingness to learn and I find that creatives who are willing to learn whether that's social media or even how to fill in their bags or um <laughs> Learning a new app that might help them account for their expenses in a lot easier way than putting it in a shoebox. I find that those creatives, things just flow smoother for them. And often they are able to go to the next level financially, not for any particular reason that they're more creatively skilled, but they just have a willingness to learn other things. And I sometimes it can be a bit daunting. Oh, you know, I've got to learn so much already. I've, I've, I've got to cope with so much already. I don't have, I don't have bandwidth to, learn something else. And that is true. I get that. And I get that way sometimes, but it never takes as long as you think to learn it. And sometimes you think, oh, I've got it. I'm going to wait till I'm on leave before I figure out that app. And then you wait like eight months till you're on leave. And then you tr- finally open the app and you realize you learned it in 10 seconds yep. and <laughs> eight months wasted time.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, okay, Now, so uh, would you say even just being organized, organizing yourself can save a lot of time and money and set you up for success, I guess.
1: Organizing is sort of it. It's more systems. So I'm not necessarily an organized person, but I try to have systems for things and I guess because I'm not naturally an organized person because I have the systems, it helps uh, give me some kind of structure to not only the business side of things, but also the creative process. Over a period, you create a system for your creative process. It doesn't always work because sometimes the creative process is unpredictable, but if you actually follow a particular creative process, once you've done it a few times, you will find that things typically go a lot smoother. It's when you talk to authors who have written their first book, they've only written one book, right? So they don't, they haven't yet formed a system, but after their fifth or sixth or 36th book, they know, well, I'll do this, then I'll do this, then I'll spend this amount of time on it. And there is a process and they've worked out more efficient ways to do it.
0: Yeah, no, I just definitely agree. That's something that I like to focus on as well, the process. And, and I think, um, book five seems to hit the mark for everybody that they know, <laughs> they, they kind of get an understanding, I suppose, of what they're doing. So, no, that's great. So just pedaling back a bit. So you, you, you went out on your own as freelance first. It was the Australian Writers' Centre next? How did you come about moving into that kind of business? Because freelance is obviously very much uh, yourself. You know, the Australian Writers' Centre, it's, you know, it's a big company with lots of staff. And, yeah, how did you go from that to the, to the next?
1: Yeah, there was a bit of a – something else happened before then because, as I mentioned, I really was – really wanted to – Treat it as an income opportunity where I could earn money as a freelancer, right? So I did treat it as a business and I had my financial targets and all of that kind of stuff. So I fortunately did very well as a freelance writer. I did work hard, admittedly, and work a lot, but was able to get a very healthy income from it. And at the time, I also supported a charity in Cambodia. A friend of mine and I went to Cambodia and we wanted to support a particular orphanage. And what we did there was we also wanted to support a lot of women who were in domestic violence situation, fleeing from domestic violence situations and also people who had been injured because of landmines and so on. So we wanted to provide them with income opportunities. So what we did was we had a fashion label, which we had a store in Pitt Street Mall here in Sydney. Also, we sold in Singapore and in Cambodia. We provided jobs for the adults who were fleeing from domestic violence and also the people who were injured from landmines and so on. And we provided jobs for them and income opportunities. And we sold the products here and online and so on. And we then... We didn't draw any salary from this. We 100 of the profits went to support the orphanage in Cambodia. So that was running a business in every single level of the supply chain, from manufacture of the silk, right through to create designing and creating the products, um, the quilts, the handbags, and everything, right to retail in Pitt Street Mall, oh, right to e-commerce um, <laughs> by selling online. I remember we had a very a, a very keen customer. At Mawson Research Station in Antarctica, I don't know where she, I don't know where she wore the silk dresses, but um, she used to order a lot. But she used to order a lot as gifts as well for her friends in Australia. Anyway, so it was during that time where I was spending a lot of time where I didn't earn an income with this initiative and also fundraising activities for the orphanage and all of that, that I, you know, didn't, if I spent time on that, I, I didn't spend the time on my writing. And when you're a freelance writer, (laughs) it's dollars for hours, right? Or dollars for words. So when you're a freelance writer, if you're not spending time on that, your income will go down. And that's exactly what happened for a period while that occurred while I was supporting the orphanage. And I realized, okay, well, that's not going to work. That's not I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's not. No one's going to win. It's the idea of um. You know when you're on the plane and the flight attendant says put your put your oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it yes. over you. <laughs> I realized that that I needed to figure out a way that I would be able to generate income that wasn't dollars for hours. Anyway, I had always been passionate about helping people achieve their goals, and I was already teaching writing, you know, as a contractor kind of thing, as a side gig. And I realized, okay, well this is actually, this fulfills so many of my goals. I'm passionate about helping people achieve their writing goals. I love teaching writing. This way, I, it's not necessarily dollars for hours because I can employ writing to other writing mm-hmm. teachers. Therefore, I can still earn an income while supporting, you know, doing yeah. philanthropic activities. So that it kind of a confluence of events <laughs> resulted in the Australian Writer Center where we started off with only a couple of courses. Now we've got so many. Our first class had five students back in September, 2000 five and now we've had over 80,000 students
0: Um, I've been one of them in the children's <laughs> writing, but I, I even visited in the website the other day. Uh, exactly that is jam packed. I was showing sure my husband jam packed with um all different writing courses, and even for kids and teenagers, and for yes. everyone, fantastic.
1: So yes, it's grown a lot. So that was a really long end to say. To say I had a side route, side side a detour into the world of fashion and retail and and philanthropy before starting the Australian yeah. Writers Centre.
0: Yeah, no, but it's still valid points, you know, like it's. It, business as well, like to be to be smart enough to say, well, yeah, these are my goals, but I need to do this to achieve them. And and exactly that. Oh, wow. No, that's an incredible story. And thank you so much for sharing that. So the Australian Writers Centre, and now you're, again, have branched out into artistry and design. So I guess your production... Prior to the Australian Writers' Centre with the passion project, that's all kind of come back around full circle, has it, I suppose, like with uh, you, how you license your designs out and, you know, to retailing. Yeah,
1: in a sense, because I guess when you work in the book industry, as, as, as I do, you are very familiar with the concept of writing a book, but then getting royalties from it, right? It's not like you can pay it a huge amount... For one book, you get paid a small amount for many, many units. And that made a lot of sense to me because when I started designing, so I do surface design and I also license the artwork that I do on, on different things. I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. So sure, I can still sell the original art, you know, for a thousand dollars or four thousand dollars or whatever the, the depends on the size, obviously, but I can also license the images. Or, or designs yeah. on things and get a, a royalty effectively yeah. for those things. So for example, with the wall, stuff that I designed for wallpaper, I will get paid per meter, you know, it's just like books, right? So it was something that I was really used to because of being in the book industry. Yeah.
0: So it made complete sense
1: to do it in the world of art as well.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, I think, obviously, honing in on your experiences can help as well, can't it, in the creative world, you know, put everything to play into your businesses. Going back, all of the businesses, all of your career, all of your experiences, can you tell us some of the lessons you've learned, you know, both good and bad? Have there been any that pop up to your mind and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I kept that in my mind going forward or, you know... (laughs) Yeah,
1: Um. get a mentor. So I discovered mentors extremely late in life. I don't know why. I mean, I always knew what they were, obviously, but it, it never even occurred to me <laughs> to get one or whether informal or formal or whatever. So I don't honestly can't. Explain why, and I've probably never would have even gone that that or started down that path if it was actually a student who came to one of my classes, and he actually only came because his wife got the flu and he couldn't. She couldn't make it that night, oh. so we were <laughs> able to transfer the you know the the booking to him because he they were in the same business or industry. It was after he attended a few times he basically kind of started mentoring me and I went, Oh, this is what a mentor does. That's amazing. And why haven't I done this before? So number one, I wish I had understood the power of a good mentor, Earlier number two as as I've mentioned, I think that whole thing about willingness to learn, I think is so important, so whether that is learning more about your own creative skills, like whether you're doing a writing course or a art course or whatever it is that you're interested in um absolutely upleveling your creative skills because even if you've been doing it for a while, you'll learn some yeah. technique or something that will Spark an idea in you, and it's so important to keep your experiences and, 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 you know, fresh. Yeah. So, whether that's learning more about your own creative skill, no matter whether you're a newbie or a, or a master at it, but also, as I mentioned, learning filling in the gaps in your learning in, in, in the business side of things or in, like I said, whether it was, it's marketing or social media or, or tax or, or whatever. So
0: yeah, Yeah, we have to say tax is part of the business, isn't it? It's not the, it's not, no one I know is happy part, but it's a a very much a big part, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that it's nowhere near as hard as people think. Mm. I have a strange fascination with tax. Really? Um, (laughs) I've read the entire tax act.
0: Oh, <laughs> Maybe it's... we should do that.
1: <laughs> no, I don't actually recommend it, but uh, I do recommend getting an understanding of it and it's mm, nowhere yeah. near
0: as hard as, as people think. Yeah, well, it's like you said, having a system in place for that and then obviously, you know, then it gets easier as you go on. But no, I absolutely agree. Nothing, especially in the creative industries, is sort of, I don't know if stagnant's the right word. It's always changing, especially social media. Media marketing tools and to stay current, we do have to keep learning and, and evolving. Nothing kind of stays the same, I suppose. That's over every industry as well, not just the creative sphere. But no, that's amazing. And that was going to be one of my questions actually about whether you had any mentors in business as well. Do you think, like for for this podcast? I listen. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Creative Pen podcast, and she's been a mentor yeah. of mine from across the seas. And I think she probably and you've probably had that the same actually for the Australian Writers Centre podcast. People listening to that. and um, I started out listening to the Australian Writer Centre podcast as well as and I know that you've sparked a lot of career wanting a career in this industry so for a lot of people so Joanna Penn from the Creative Penn podcast she's been a mentor of mine but she doesn't know it (laughs) so in business is it fine to have a mentor I guess from afar that you mimic and follow what they do especially if they're sharing their teachings and things you don't need to have the one-on-one do you absolutely yeah. and you you don't necessarily have to meet for coffee
1: with them down the road yeah. no if if there isn't an appropriate person nearby or even in your city right absolutely if there are people you admire who are on the other side of the world or you just don't have access to but you like what they're doing yeah absolutely follow them you don't have to follow all of their advice for sure but you know if they're already giving generously by doing things like podcasts like what you've just mentioned with joanna or if they've written books or even if they're just on social media sharing things that are happening in their life or business or whatever their enterprise their their creative enterprise is absolutely you can have sort of pseudo mentors In that sense, as well, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, you've shared so much already, but uh, do you have any other tips for, say, authors or just individuals in the creative sphere who are looking to, you know, start out? in their first business. And uh, yeah, do you have any any more tips for the, those kind of people? I
1: think it's important to have goals. Now, it depends, of, of course, where you are in your journey. If you're absolutely a complete newbie, then I would suggest really immersing yourself in the craft. One of the biggest mistakes that creative ma- creatives make, and I make this mistake, I certainly made this mistake when I started getting into, you know, art and design and stuff like that, because I was, while I've been a writer forever, I was a newbie in the world of design and art. And a lot of people spend, they spend time learning the craft, sure, but they spend the time learning the craft and kind of want everything to happen now and start, you know, (laughs) trying all these different things, which is fine and it's good to be enthusiastic, but I do suggest. Immersing yourself more in the as as much as you can in the craft for you know a year or or without even thinking about commercializing mm-hmm. without even thinking I mean even if you have a full time job you just do it on the side that's yeah. fine just so that you get your hands dirty and you get to understand some of the things that work and don't work and you get to make your mistakes without people watching yeah um, <laughs> and all of that and then launch into... You know, thinking of the income opportunities, the commercialization, all that kind of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with thinking about that from the beginning because, because it sounds like I'm contradicting myself in that I was saying that when you are a freelance writer, when I became a freelance writer, I thought of it as a business from day one. But you got to remember I was writing for heaps. I I had already immersed myself in the craft, right? So I was ready for that. Yeah. I would say it's about always a balance, isn't it? You definitely can't ignore the business side of it, but you don't want to neglect the creative skills and the creative process and the experimentation that often comes with creativity as well. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a, a juggling act, I suppose. And that all makes absolute perfect sense. And again, I just the, the word organization and systems and stuff keeps floating around in my mind. There. But no, that that's wonderful advice. So yourself, you've already, you know, cornered the freelance world the teaching world the book world now the design world and and you're out in the sculpting world as well will there be any more creative businesses that are in the future for valerie k i doubt (laughs) it i
1: think it'll just be an expansion of what already exists i was was like i don't know what's (laughs) left
0: uh movies maybe i was listening to your podcast with um kate is it kate forsyth the other day and you were talking about um gaming scripts as well which um i thought i wonder if we'll see that appear at the assured writer center some some (laughs) text scripts (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I think I have enough on my plate at the moment. I think that, you know, that's the trouble, isn't it? There's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And I because I realize the importance of spending time on your creative process. And because there are only 24 hours in the day, I probably do have to limit myself to <laughs> what I'm currently doing. There may like I said, there I'm hoping there'll be an expansion to each of those things as I learn more, as I discover more. And I of course I will always continue to do things for fun. Like um, I've always said that it's important to take yourself out on creative dates, which is where you take yourself, just by yourself generally, out to do something that inspires you or that you are creatively curious about. Doesn't mean you're suddenly going to go down that path, <laughs> but I always think that if we stick to only the people and community in our create our yeah. particular chosen creative skill it can be a little bit insular but when you go into other areas or other creative industries you'll learn stuff that you'll be able to bring into your work. You know, there's yeah. so much stuff I've learned about design that I bring into writing, so much stuff I've, about the writing world that I bring into design. Okay. You know, even just basic things like I've been obsessed with the show Blown Away. I haven't heard that on one. Ne- oh, it's on Netflix. It's just a reality show of people oh, okay. who do gla- glassblowing and flameworking oh, and wow. stuff. Oh, wow, yeah. So I took myself off to a glass blowing and flameworking class and made, you know, just a bunch of little things just for fun because it really opens up a different... Creative side of your brain, mm. and and it helps you. It, it and you might not get an idea straight away, but you know, a year from now, I reckon something will pop into my head that where the genesis was at that class. So I do encourage people to explore things outside of their creative um
0: space as well. Yeah, no, definitely because even all that and the new experiences, and even other businesses different to your own business, bringing in that added learning that you. You know, sometimes that it's not been done before as well. You could be doing something different or something's inspired from, from another industry. Now that, that's all wonderful. Without a doubt. Yeah. The number of times
1: I have taken ideas from other industries like cleaning businesses or gyms or mm. whatever and put them into my own business is, oh, so many. Yeah. Oh, no, that's great advice. <laughs>
0: no that's well thank you so much Valerie you have shared so much with us today yeah lots of wonderful notes for us first-time authors going out into business creative industries and yeah hopefully a long prosperous future and building the business of our dreams so can you tell our listeners where they can find all of your businesses and you and your your books and artwork and everything online and oh my goodness (laughs) <laughs> okay.
1: Be- before I do that, I just have one last tip, actually, yes, specifically okay. for authors. And okay. I really encourage authors to think about this as, and it's often overlooked, um, because, you know, we sell our books book by book, right? Mm. But See, think if there are any opportunities for you to sell them in bulk. And so, for example, I had a book previously called So Now What? How to Figure Out the Rest of Your Life. And it was for school leavers. And sure, it got distributed in bookstores across Australia and all of that. But I thought, okay, I'm going to target careers counsellors. And yeah. so I would get, instead of an, a book order of one, I'd get a book mm. order of 30 or a book yep. order of 50 or whatever from schools because, you know, that was an incredible target market. A friend of mine wrote a a book, um, just cute. Not, well, compiled a book of cute photos of cats Aww. with <laughs> captions that he sold. I don't know, ten thousand, twenty thousand to Yukanuba, the pet food right? Um, yep. <laughs> uh, company. Another friend of mine did a book called cocktails and snacks you know about cocktails and snacks (laughs) and she sold them in bulk to I can't remember but like the equivalent of liquor land yeah or or something like a boutique place yeah well you you know it was a chain it was a national chain so you know (laughs) so think of where you might have bulk sale opportunities is one thing to consider. But yes, you can find the Writer Centre at au, and you can find my personal pursuits at valerieku.com
0: That's K-H-O-O. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing all that. And yeah, I, I often think that how can we think bigger or think on a, a bigger scale than like you said, just one book at a time or, you know, a small event here, a small event there, just on a larger scale. So yes, you'll, you'll have to write that book, Valerie, and then share that with us. <laughs> they pick up big ideas (laughs) for businesses yeah well thank you so much for your time that was incredible
1: you're most welcome joanne
0: so there you have it folks the all inspiring valerie Koo, and i hope you take on valerie's food for thought about money mindset and creative business and to think big when it comes to you your books or work how can you sell in bulk rather than simply one by one As it's October, the scary month, and I'm in the middle of writing a horror script, next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast we have Australian author Pauline Yates and she's talking to us on all the aspects of writing horror. I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it for me. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.